Therapy has always been a complicated topic for me. But if we're being honest, I think that applies to most people. On one hand, we understand the value to therapy and getting all of your mental health checked and all of that. But on the other hand, we just can't imagine airing all of our dirty laundry to a complete stranger. Today's guest has been on both sides and offers some incredible insight. Catherine Frias Johnson is a psychologist who specializes in working with minority communities to help overcome trauma and traumatic experiences as most of us from impoverished neighborhoods have. Believe me, having survived a deadly car accident, she struggled with her own trauma that led her to help others, so kind of a valuable source of information. Let's break down trauma and talk self-discovery with Katherine Frias Johnson. Welcome. Wow, it is morning for the first time I said that actually morning. Like I usually just say good morning for the hell of it, but <laughs> good morning. Um, super excited. I'm here on another episode of Self Discovery with my new friend, amazing, amazing uh, psych consultant, mental health consultant. She's here to help support people who are going through, you know, mental, like mentally collapsing moments. Um, and her name is Catherine Frias. So, big round of applause. Thank you for hanging out with us, Catherine. Thank Welcome. you for having me here. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, that was my best version of an introduction I could give. I hope it was good. Um, but if you want to introduce yourself and tell them a little bit about you before we dive into, you know, the more fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That was great. My name is Catherine Frias Johnson. As he mentioned, a licensed mental health counselor. I have my office in Mamaroneck. And as he said, I'm excited to help others with anything they may be going through. Is that how you say that? Mamar I've always Mamaronek. Wow. I've always was like ma Mamaronek. Like always <laughs> so Spanish. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm learning too. Yeah, I was like, wait, where are you from? <laughs> That's what it says on the yes, paper. Well, uh, well it's around Yonkers, right? So any yeah. area near Yonkers, Mount Vernon and it's even, you know, half an hour from the Bronx. So exactly. I do have clients from the Bronx as well. Yeah, so you have you probably have clients from all over the place. Yes, like, yes. All sorts of crazy stories. <laughs> all over, in the mountains, in the woods, from the Bronx, all types. Wow, wow. So you're, so LMHC, right? I forgot what you said it stands for. <laughs> licensed. Uh, licensed Mental, Mental Health, health counselor. counselor. Yes. So what um, what does that license entail you to do? Because I'm always, I'm always wondering, and I was actually talking to a friend of mine recently because he was like, oh, how do, like, what if I wanted to do like a traveling rehab center where like I take people on vacations as part of their rehab you know what i mean like i was like oh that'd be pretty dope and then we got into the idea of like, all right how many licenses do you need for something like exactly. that like, yes, <laughs> yes. So that's actually something that's per state you're licensed per state i'm licensed in new york at the moment currently seeking to get um license in connecticut okay and then as i move then I'll, I'll look into other states why do you have to get licensed in every state Every state has their own requirements. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. One state thinks they know more about mental health than the other. Like, that's really what it comes down <laughs> the to. The thing is, New York has the strictest 
Okay. I would say. So it would yeah, be I mean, we're the crazies, so it makes sense. <laughs> so it would be easier <laughs> to just go into. You it's know, like part of your licensing, like how long can you last on a subway with just homeless people? Because like <laughs> that should be part of the training. Because it's a mentally critical, like that's a mental moment right there, you know? Listen, I've dealt with many different types of people and situations. I, my, I worked in the Bronx in like Third Avenue for almost three years, and that's a very difficult. Um, what was that like? Oh man, the majority of those clients were, you know, drugs, um, alcohol, or just mental health that they've been dealing with for all their lives. So that was difficult, you know, wow. just the environment, going outside, seeing people using outside as you walk to the parking lot. That's, that's hard. Yeah, it's crazy. And it, it, I feel like it gets worse every year. Like people talk about global warming, I feel like the drug <laughs> epidemic is equivalent. Especially there, yeah. Especially there, it's like yeah. every corner. They um, different. they just opened up a clinic in, or yeah, it's a clinic in. Uh, I think it's a methadone clinic in the Heights, and like walking around the Heights now, you see like people strung up all day long and like at all hours of the day, especially in the summertime. Like the summertime, we would literally just be hanging out and look down the corner and like you see somebody just kind of. Dozing off. Yeah, and it's crazy because they're magicians. They never hit the floor. They know. That's what I was gonna say. So they, call, they they say they're tying their shoes because they they make it all the way as if all they were tying their way. shoes, but they don't fall. It was amazing. Like, mm-hmm. what 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 stimulates that? What causes that? There, there's so many things. I feel like some they do come from that background, right? Their family members. That's what they've done. That's what they know. So that's what they continue. While others, they might just have hit a very low mo- moment in their life without having the right support and they use that as a coping mechanism right and kind of just it's, it's hard to get out after a while so they use that to forget their problems but then they just go into something deeper yeah and then it just keeps kind of getting worse and worse mm-hmm. the more you mm-hmm. want to forget it's, it's, it's difficult to get out what are like what are your I don't know how many rules we're about to break on regulations and stuff but like, what, are, <laughs> what are some pieces of constructive feedback you would give people going through that oh, <laughs> i want to stay away from the word advice you know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> no, I, I don't give advice i know that's a bad word in, in all industries exactly. like finance health no advice <laughs> of course because people have to be able to make their own choices yes exactly right? even if i tell people you know stay educated get support get help that you need it's their it's their choice at the end of the day, right? I can't tell them X Y Z, and if they do it or not, it com- it falls back on me, right? So all I can say is really, you know, get the get the support you need. Go out, get help. There's there's every type of help out there. Like you mentioned, the methadone, right? There's for abuse. There's there's so much out there. So it's basically making sure you're educated, making sure you know what you want in life. Mm, knowing what you want in life. That's yes. a great segue <laughs> to the, the whole conversation we're having, right? So yes. how did you decide this is what you want to do? Like you deal with people who, like you're in just as much danger, in my opinion, as like a policeman or a firefighter. Like you're sitting across from someone who's mentally unstable and can snap any second. And you're usually in the room by yourself. Like, yes. <laughs> that's, that's true. You're pretty much at war every day. Yeah, but by the time you push button. that button and somebody's Anything too late. You know, that's what my yes, mom used yes. to say to me. Like, <laughs> oh, you're going to call the cops because I'm yelling at you? Well, I bet you they, they won't Ooh. get here in time. Like, oh, yeah, especially those, those parents. Like, I'll hit you and then wait for them yeah, to come like, to them too. You're right. You're right. So, oh, man, that, that was if, um, I think it's always just been a part of me. Right? I, I love helping others. I actually went to a business school for my undergrad, but ended up in a 
mental health school yeah. for my master's. That's the story right there. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it, it was just always a part of me, right? I, I always care about others. I It comes naturally to me to listen, to care, to be there. So I just wanted to see how can I make money doing what I love. That's, that's genius. That's what I'm right. always talking about. Make money doing what you love. You're like, you don't have to make millions. To no. Just make no. enough to be happy, right? Yes. Like, sure, millions are fantastic and all of that is great. But like, at some point in life, you really don't need anything else. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like at some point, you're just being kind of crazy at this point. You know exactly. I mean? so, so being able to balance what I love with what I need. I love it. I love it. What was, uh like, what would you, or was there a defining moment that you could look back on and be like, okay. This is the moment where I was like, yeah, business school was cool, but I want to help people. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Well, one of the moments, I, I say I have a lot, but one of the moments definitely after graduating from Bentley University, I stayed, you know, stayed in town working there, but I actually got into a car accident Whoa. and that was very traumatic for me. I was crying on my way to work, on my way home. I was alone. My parents were far. And at that one moment, I said, I need to go home. So I decided to pack up, go back to New York, go back to my mom and talking with her and again, exploring what I love, I decided to apply to Fordham and say, let me... Fordham University? Yes. Hey! <laughs> Fordham University, And that's where I decided to go and pursue my dreams um, in okay. mental health counseling. Wow. So what was that transition like? Do you feel like you had to mentally transition into being able to get in like to that mental space where you could help people in that way well definitely like i said i was after that car accident i was a mental wreck right <laughs> <laughs> so i understand what it is like for people to go through difficult moments yeah. in their lives such as that where you do feel alone where you're you know it's it's hard to drive to the corner store where you've been driving around your whole life wow so it, it was really hard and and just getting back back home and figuring myself out I started slowly driving to my brother's school. Even that was scary for me. And now I wow. drive <laughs> over across states. Yeah, so, now you're driving. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's, yes. like, that's a great transition. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Took some yeah. time, but we got it there. Took some time, but, but we got there, yes. Right. Did, you, did you seek any type of like mental assistance or like psychological support when you were going through that? Well, my mother is where I get a lot <laughs> of this from. She's always into many different types of classes and self-help, you know, classes or seminars. So I did do some of that. Some classes were a weekend, some were over the span of a couple of months or a year. So I mm. definitely always seek to improve myself and try to make sure I'm emotionally and mentally stable. Got it. So one of the things that people are going to love, like they're going to laugh their asses off when they watch this interview. But <laughs> So one of the things that I frequently run into, right, personally... Um, well, we'll start with this, right? How do you think that growing up in like impoverished, struggling neighborhoods impacts our mental health? Oh, no. <laughs> Where do I need we to start? hear it from you. Where do we start? Because <laughs> I have my speculations, but I'm not a professional. Definitely, we're, again. <laughs> um, a lot, there's many different parts to this. And one I would say is just the environment. We grow up, we grow up in all of that. We grow up in poverty. We grow up with limits. We grow up around unhealthy habits. And that's what we think is the norm. Yeah. So we continue and just, that's our life. That's what we know and that, that's what we continue. So we have a lot of limits that are set. And just growing up with a single, you know, a single parent home, growing up with, like you said, low income, there, there are things I didn't have or I didn't know I can reach. So we already have this, this bar where we don't think we can, we can go over. Yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. overcoming that bar is crazy because... 
they're so like even I was having a conversation with one of my closest friends, love him to death, right? But like in the heat of the the conversation, he was just like, "Bro, it's not realistic. Like you're not gonna make a hundred thousand dollars, right? Like word." That's the type of environment that we're growing up in, in right? Mindset. Where like everybody's kind of in a mindset like, yo, fam, our family's been poor our whole life. I've been poor my whole life. Like generations before me were poor. We're not making any money, bro. Unless we rob somebody or do something crazy. <laughs> and like that's always where the conversation ends up. So there's definitely some mental like there's something there, right? Like that's blocking us. Yes. Now this is where they're going to find it funny, right? Because like me, I refuse to go to therapy. Right? Like and and they've been telling me I gotta go to therapy for years. Right? Like, I'm not crazy, but, <laughs> but uh, I when I was a child, I actually uh, walked into um, like I walked in on my grandfather dead on the floor in my bedroom because I had slept in my brother's room. Right, so like I went into my bedroom as a child and I found him. And then the same thing happened a few years later. I found my uncle. You know what I mean, so like from that point, like they were always like, yeah, you gotta go to therapy. But as a child, like the one therapy session I went to. Like, this, this was not it, and I'm not doing this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> how important do you feel like that is for, like, what we deal with? The... Like, the, the men, like, going to find, like, seeking that support. Um, it's important, right? That's where we can process these different traumas, right? That, that must have been very traumatic. And then to go through it twice, yeah. right? And, then, and we hold all this in, right? Especially Latinos, our culture, right? Just the minorities in general don't have the stigma, right? Mm-hmm. And men have even bigger stigma hey, than hey, men, hey, 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 right? Hey, hey, hey. It's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but overall, it could have helped, right, just to have someone there. And you, you made a great point that your first session wasn't really too good, right? right? And that's why I want to put myself out there because I feel like I can connect with my clients. So I want to give them someone that they can connect to and actually normalize the experience so they can get through these difficult moments. Yeah. Especially you being a strong woman of color, right? Like, that is a huge piece because... I mean, I have three sisters, right? But I can't realistically imagine or expect them ever to want to come and talk to me about what they're going through, right? Like, even as the older brother, as the the support system and all that, like, it's just crazy to think that they're going to come to me, right? And then if there are women out there who struggle to make friends or socially uncomfortable, like, those people need an outlet. And if they, like, if only option is a white man, like, no offense to white men, like, I I don't, I'm not in that race war nonsense. That's crazy. But, like, that is perspective, right? Because, like, one of the things when I was coaching children in music production, right? I'm teaching classes and the parents would come and be like, oh my God, it's so great to have someone who looks like you. Like, wow. Like, that's so rare that people just feel comfortable using that as a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Someone that looks like you. (laughs) But again, it's normalized. The experience is normalized. Wow, this person understands me, right? I can be myself. I, I won't be judged. And that's one thing that I really emphasize to my clients is that this is a judgment free zone. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I understand, I listen, and whatever you can come up with, trust me, I've heard it, and I'm here to help you through it. Right, so the, the, the stereotypical therapist is that white male or white woman mm-hmm. again. So I think I can, I just give them something different, I can give them something they can relate to, and it makes the experience so much better. So, how do you, <laughs> how do you feel like? Being again, being going back to the the actual environment of what you do, like you're sitting face to face with like someone who's on the brink of like collapsation. <laughs> I don't even think that's a real word. I think it's just collapsing, but you know, Definitely. they know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, 
when you make up words, it adds an emphasis to what you're saying. Like it makes it really important. Like when you make up a version of a word, <laughs> they, way, they know that, you that's, know this that's is important legit. now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's that like? You you sit in a room and you're looking like directly in the face <laughs> of a man who is you know there. <laughs> Honestly, it's an amazing feeling for me. Wow. Because like I said, I, I believe that's my gift, and it just gives me. It just gives me such an amazing feeling to know that I'm there helping someone else. That when they don't know who they can turn to, when they don't understand what's going on in their mind, I can be there to listen. And, and again, just help them through the situation. Do you feel like things that happen in the world and pop culture also have a major impact? Or is that, is that like, I like, with all due respect to everyone out there... <laughs> Whenever a celebrity passes, right, like a Kobe Bryant or Michael Jackson, right, and we see people really, like, get emotional about it, and, and in most cases, someone they've never met, right, like, what is happening there? <laughs> Help me understand. Well, that's, just, that, that's bringing up a lot of their traumatic experiences. That's bringing up a lot of what they haven't went, you know, exposed to others. That's, like you mentioned earlier, things that you might have gone through and just didn't tell anyone. Right, so when something big like that happens out in, and like you said, in the pop world, everything just comes out. That's when people might feel vulnerable. That's where they they get in touch with with emotions that they've been trying to hide. So you're definitely an advocate for vulnerability. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. What are what are some ways? Because like, again, there are, there are people like me, right, who are like, yeah, I'm not going to therapy, right. But those, there are still people out there, not like me, who do need help. <laughs> okay, sure. So, what are ways that like we as friends and family can help each other? I would encourage family members and friends to be that support, to be that listening ear, and encourage them to let them know it's okay to get mental health help. You know, um, I think that that's the biggest thing. You know, to be that that support that a lot of us don't have, that encouragement. So without going in too deep, obviously, as you can't, right? What are some of the more common things you experience? Because I feel like, for me, the things that happen most often are things that we should really address. So, like, if we're seeing this a lot, yes. then maybe we need to address this communally <laughs> and not individually. Definitely. Um, most of, you know, a lot of my clients are dealing with anxiety or depression, which come from very just traumatic changes in their lives, traumatic events, and surprisingly, or maybe not, one of the biggest things are relationships, right? Mm. <laughs> Definitely, mm. yes, right? Um, those who you Male and female? Yes, mm. yes, <laughs> male and female. <laughs> and, you know, relationships really affect you, right? They affect, you know, those who you surround yourself with can make it or break it for you, right? They, they can bring out the good in you or they can bring out the bad in you. So relationships are definitely a big thing that affect us socially, even at our job, with our families, in, in every aspect of our life. I definitely felt that. Felt that right here. Mm. Um, you know, I've been I've been there before. Yes, yes, that's something. <laughs> as as many of my friends know, you know, a few years back, I went through a really bad breakup, and um, it's interesting because when I look back on the time, I'm like, wow, there are a lot of things and a lot of parts of me that came out after that that like. I don't feel like are really me or like they maybe they are me but like not to that extreme right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um so that conflicting persona moment definitely came up and i was like huh 
how how do I deal with this? And again, you know, dealt with it myself. Of but. course. <laughs> and that's where we feel alone and sometimes yeah. we isolate or we go into unhealthy coping skills. Yes. Right? Um, which we all know, right? And and that's the difference, right? If you go down the wrong track, that can lead you to be that person on Third Avenue who signed their shoe versus, right, a successful you know, successful business person who's making, like you said, over 100K. Now, I, I do want to touch on that, so I'm glad you said that because I completely slipped my mind. But um, So there's a common misconception, right, especially nowadays that's, like, it, it worries me way more than it should because it's really not my business. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, look at the, I look at the internet, I look at social media, I look at all of the people I'm, I'm surrounded by, right? And then there's, there's this common theme of, like, we don't need love, right? Like, I don't need love. I'm good by myself. All I need is money. All I, like, I don't need anyone, <laughs> right? And for me, again, not an expert, but I think there's something wrong there. <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. Right, you know? So what, like, what's your perspective when you see those type of posts, like, online? How, what, do you, what do you do about it? Knowing the position that you're in, that like, you could actually help them if they were able to, like, like how do you look at those moments and, it, it's hard, right? There's a couple of things there. One, like I've said before, I can't really help someone if they don't let me in. Right. Right? So I definitely try to just empathize and make, you know, whether it's putting up a post as well to letting others know that that there is someone out there, right, that can help, that can listen, that can understand, right? Educating others on, on what they're going through. And just knowing that having that, that persona where you're hiding and thinking you don't need love, that's just a way to cover another coping mechanism, just focus on one thing and forget about everything else. So it's it's just letting them know, really, just letting them know that that you do right. Um, back to to my school days, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There are basic things that we need, such as water, food, money, shelter. But at the end of the day, we're humans, and we do need that that companion. We need that social aspect to our lives. Yeah, I, I definitely think that. I mean, as as people know, I'm very big on like the love part, right? Like. I encourage everybody to tell your tell your friends you love them, like male and female. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's there's a difference between romantic love and like like uh, you know I'm gonna say platonic love, right? Like there's they're different. I can tell you I love you and not be in love with you, right? I just yes. love that you exist in my world. You know, so like I always encourage people to do that. And um, and another thing that like I was actually talking to Manny who invited who was like, yo, you got to talk to Catherine, like <laughs> <laughs> so. Shout out Manny Ventura. Um, I was talking to Manny and he was like, um, you know, there's a misconception that like richness makes you happy, right? Like being loaded and having all this money. So do you deal with a lot of clients that come from income, like come from backgrounds with income? Because we know like we can say here and argue and discuss the fact that if you have a low income, you're, you're mentally traumatized. (laughs) But how do the people with high income deal with it? Definitely, they, again, they don't have to probably worry about rent or food on the table, but it's the same concept. They, they also hide themselves in their job to block out those feelings, right? To not look back at those traumatic experiences that might have happened before they, they made it big or just that come as part of their family, right? I believe that families all have that one thing that they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. So even if you grow up in a rich family, there's something in your family, yeah. Right. That, and you might just try to hide it, push it away, but money can't cover that. It comes out at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. 
my favorite internet meme that I love to hate is uh, money can't buy you happiness, but I'd rather cry in a Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not wrong, but this is still unhealthy. Exactly. It's, still, it's still unhealthy. <laughs> so what are, uh, oh man, I forgot the question though. That's good. So five, um, five trends that you're seeing among people that you think like are mentally not bad, like not good. Like our mental health is at risk because we're doing these things. Mm, good question. <laughs> <laughs> the excitement in your eye with that question. <laughs> it's like moment to strike. <laughs> oh man, the top five. Uh, top five, let's see. In no particular order. No particular and, order. and there may be a lot others, but like you mentioned, the... The relationships right like mm-hmm. we mentioned that before and i think going into the wrong ones for the wrong reason whether it be friendships like you said or something romantic right that's definitely something that that affects us a lot right the drinking and partying right again to an extent i think everything should just be balanced um it's okay to drink it's okay to party but when it's to cover up your problems that's when it becomes something wrong which is usually what we do Usually, course, yo, it's been a rough course. week. You trying to go get a drink? <laughs> <laughs> the top three unhealthy coping unhealthy coping mechanisms: sex, drugs, and alcohol. Really? Yes. And I like all of those. <laughs> <laughs> Again, <laughs> but but they need to be balanced. When you do it, to forget yeah. and and food. That's another and food. Thing. Oh my god! Right? Sex, drugs, alcohol, and food are something that we need. It's fine. I mean, we don't need drugs or alcohol, but (laughs) (laughs) it's something that, okay, if people could use it recreationally, fine. But when you cross that line, I would say, that's when it becomes unhealthy. When it affects you at work, in your home, in your social life, that's when it becomes a problem. Okay. So what are the the other two? The last two? (laughs) Well, we said sex, drugs, alcohol, and food. So I would say that's four. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Um, I would say the, the lack of education. And by that, I mean not pushing yourself past your limit in, in terms of learning, right? What, what is out there? We grow with, with a certain limitation, as we said before, as to what our family knows, what our neighborhood knows, what our friends know. We don't push past that, right? We don't educate ourselves to make ourselves better and to reach our potential. Yes, that is... That is a strong message. Make sure you pick that one up. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, on that message, I would love to know your like thoughts or ideas on how people can do that. Because, you know, everybody's anti-college all of a sudden, right? Because, like, super expensive. I get it. I'm not anti-college. I'm also not for it. It's a complicated place. <laughs> but, <laughs> Definitely. Um, but, like, what are your, like, ideas on the best ways to, to get educated and to find that? To be able to break out of that that surrounding bubble that you have that kind of holds you in the same mental state. I would say the first thing is identifying your goal. Ooh. Right? Where do you want to go? Because if we don't have a destination, we don't we don't have an end point, how do we know where we're going? We're just walking endlessly, right? So definitely knowing your goal. Um, and along the way, that's where you get resources. You talk to people who've been there. That's definitely helped me a lot. You know, you read, you listen to podcasts, you just put yourself out there. Just put yourself out there and go past your goals. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I am a big fan, personally, of taking, like, random classes. So I've taken some psych classes. I've taken, like, business classes. Mm -hmm. I just like learning and meeting people. So for me, I show up to class and it's more about the networking. 
but I also <laughs> like, oh, cool, this is an interesting lesson to learn. Um, so I'm always really big on all of that. Do you, do you find yourself um, in any positions where you teach as well? Outside of just like taking the private one-on-one, I'm going to help you classes. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I, um, not yet. That is something that I'm looking to do in the future to teach and hold groups for people so we can, you know, learn together. But right now I am a one-on-one teacher. I've had a lot of clients who do call me their teacher because I do educate them on, again, mental health or just normalizing the experiences for them. Yeah. I have a, I have a great friend. Um, her name is Dr. Ayo. She's based out of Connecticut. And she... Uh, is part of the reason that I started this whole show too. Like, there's she's a little bit of that too. But um, she was hosting or still hosts a uh, like music gathering, right? So she calls it the Right Brain Gathering, and it's really like just a psych circle for creatives because we don't get to talk often, right? Like people love when we write music. You don't like the music about my good part of my life. You like the music that hurts because it relates to what you're going yes. through. So like I get that, <laughs> but like you're really just glorifying our pain. So no one's ever actually listening to the pain that we're putting out. So she came like she came up with this idea. All right, cool. I'm going to rent the venue and every week I'm just going to show up. And if anybody shows up, great. Nobody shows up. Cool. Um, and I showed up to one and I was like, yo, this is amazing. Right. Like I still wasn't <clears throat> I still didn't feel like there was anything I needed to, to open up about specifically. Mm-hmm. But it was just really cool to be surrounded by like minded individuals, as we say, um, who are expressing like that pain and, and that. Um, do you feel like groups or single sessions are better and why i think they're both great they both have (laughs) right there's no (laughs) no, there's you know there are things that we need to tackle individually right there are Mm -hmm. things that we need to process individually and get through but also at the same time the groups provide like you said that environment where i'm not the only one going through this Mm -hmm. right and it helps you normalize it and it helps it gives you that that push to also get out there and be hurt so I think they, they both have their, their things. I do a lot of even family therapies or couples therapy. So Oh, tell me about couples therapy. Mm. That's juicy. <laughs> 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 How does couples therapy go? Oh, man. <laughs> and, I, and I say that as funny as it is, but I feel like there are a lot of, like, like most people think couples therapy happens when the relationship is pretty much over, right? And it usually happens because the man did something wrong. Right, like that's the two like most popularized perceptions of couples therapy. So I want you to clarify yeah. this. And if that is really what it is, then damn men, we yeah. gotta do better. But if it's not, yeah. let's get the guys out the doghouse. You know what I'm saying? I'll help there. I'll help. So I do think that sometimes they wait a little too late okay. until they they feel like they have no other option to go. So that one I will agree on. But I don't. I wouldn't say it's necessarily only the men. I think it's a mutual lack of communication and understanding. Sometimes you know we just understand things differently, and it's getting to know each other's way of talking, of loving, and just getting to know each other. So it, it the main thing is the lack of communication. I think within couples. Communicate. Communication is key. Comprehension is critical. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> know, knowing your goals. Where are you going? Right. Two people on on different paths are gonna butt heads right it, it, it's hard very very much mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. very much so <laughs> uh so this question i was asked to ask by a good friend of mine i won't name her but okay oh <laughs> she said when you talk to the doctor lady <laughs> um she said do you think that people who cheat in relationships are mentally unstable Ooh. 
It's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's a complex answer, right? I, I, I never say yes or no because okay. it, it varies by person, but it can be, right? There are some cases in which it can be because it can stem from childhood. What they saw, what they, the trauma they've experienced, things they haven't processed. But at the same time, it can be, like we said, lack of miscommunication where a partner is not getting what they need from the other partner. And then they go out and try to seek it. Mm. So I think it can, it can go either way. Do you think that there's something like emotionally or mentally blocking the person? Like in a situation where they're looking for what they're not getting at home, right? Like, is there something that keeps them emotionally or mentally tied to the at-home person? Or like... Are they feeling sad? Like, what do you think is going through? Well, the, like, what are the like, different possibilities? That makes them stay. <laughs> yeah, right? that makes them I, stay. I would say the comfort, the security, right? Knowing that you do have that person at the end of the day at home that's willing to stick by you even through those difficult moments, right? So that's why it's important to discuss it, you know, when it happens. Because if not, it can just keep happening over and over again, yeah. right? So if you let it happen, it will. And that's just a comfort that they can, they can rely on. What are, um, this one is definitely for the audience specifically. (laughs) (laughs) What are some pieces of advice or things that you went through or dealt with as you were discovering yourself and the person you are? That's really what people watch for. They want to know about how you figured it out because that's (laughs) really what they're trying to figure out. (laughs) Oh man. And, and there's a lot of barriers, right? There's a lot of challenges that, that we experience in our lives, right? From, like we mentioned earlier, coming from a single parent household and low income, you know, neighborhood in the Bronx to, you know, I'm, I'm going to high school and my counselor says, hey, don't apply there. You're not going to get in right to being the first one in my family, going to undergrad, going to get my master's, having to work full time, school full time. Yes, right? <laughs> hey. You know, and, and one of the things that holds, holds us back is fear. Right. I think we, we limit ourselves because of what we know. And, and getting through that fear is, is definitely the what will get you to the next place, right? Our fear, fear holds us back. Our fear is that voice in our mind that wants to keep us safe, right? Our body is that fight or flight. And our body, your ego, your, your body tries to keep you safe. So whenever there's something new, it tells you, no, don't do that. You're going to fail. Pushing past through that. Pushing past that. How did you do it? Because you're right. Your body has one job and it's keep you alive. So, like, mm-hmm. anytime you're doing something where it's like, this is risky, <laughs> nah. <laughs> Don't do it, right? Again. You know, my legs get shaky whenever I get close to a ladder. I'm afraid of heights. Oh, so, like, yeah. eh, don't do it. <laughs> and there, there's many different components in that. One, having the support. My family has been very supportive, Dope. you know, since, since I was young. They've always identified, you know, Catherine, you're good at this. You can do it. You can do whatever you set your mind to. Having the right friends along the way. Um, has definitely helped and as I mentioned earlier number one knowing my goal right knowing that this is where I want to be at the end of the day and whatever I have to get through I will you know I I've listened to a lot of motivational videos Steve Harvey Les Brown things that just get me one it's one day at a time so things that can get me from today till tomorrow and reaching you know towards my goal dope that is super lit Um, uh, oh man, I'm drawing a blank. There was something I wanted to ask you right after that. Oh, marriage. That's what it was. Cool. So, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, you're not married, right? No. Okay. What are your thoughts on marriage and its value to mental health? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
there, you got to stop gassing me up. I'm about to ask for a raise. <laughs> Marriage, uh, like we said before, right? The the human. Right, humans need that that support, need that that intimacy, and I think marriage gives you that that support, right? That that lifelong partner that you can say, this person has my back, right? Someone that you can grow with, someone that you can actually be vulnerable with, right? With your fears and things that might hold you back, and they give you that push, right? They're they're there, and and that's a stress off your back, really, knowing okay, I have someone there, I don't have to worry about maybe things that I've seen in my past, or like you mentioned, cheating or things like that. It's like, no, I have I have a partner, I have a friend, and this is the person that's going to be with me along my along the way to my goals. Do you think that when people are looking towards their next relationship, do you think it's what do you think is more important if one is more mm-hmm. important than the other, right? Like reflecting on your past so you don't make similar mistakes or being open-minded to the fact that this person is not the same person you dated before. Ooh, I think they're, they're both <laughs> good, right? I would say, though, looking on your past to heal. Okay. Right? Um, definitely, we don't want to repeat the same mistakes, but if we don't heal and we still have that lingering, it will definitely affect the future relationship, right? So making sure you're okay. Because I always say, a relationship is two healthy individuals who are joining. Mm, that's going to be the quote for right? this. You know that, right? Let's turn into a meme. <laughs> <laughs> These two healthy individuals who join together to reach that goal. Right? So, yes, yeah, so I'm going to heal from my past because I don't want to bring that baggage into my relationship. Right? And then the second point you said... Um, like being open. Being open to that. Right? This is a whole new experience. You've already healed. You're in a different place in your life than when you were in these previous relationships. So, giving yourself the opportunity to thrive with this new person. You have to give yourself the opportunity to thrive with this new person. Yes. <laughs> He's banging them out. (laughs) Um, So when you think about mental health, right? Um, One topic that's always really like a big one is the ADD, ADHD, right? Conversation. Like how much of this is real? How much of it like really like are you born with? Is this something that people use as a like distraction or an excuse or like where not where do you stand but like how do you feel about how those things impact people and how much we take them into consideration okay um i think everything is a case-by-case basis i've worked with a lot of children and there are some that i see how their background their their environment affects them right an unstable Mm -hmm. household the the lack of structure the lack of money the lack of resources that can really affect the child right their parents mental health affects the child Right? But at the same time, I've also seen cases where they do take their medication and it's a complete, it's a, it's a big difference, right? They're focused, they do their work, and they excel. So I think it's a case-by-case basis and just identifying where you fall. Controversy warning. <laughs> at what point oh. do you feel like <laughs> the appropriate age <clears throat> to start giving children medication is? Okay. Uh, I am not a psychiatrist, right? So I do not prescribe medication. But again, uh, it's hard, right? Again, like I said, I I don't prescribe medication. I've seen very young children, four, five, six on medication. Wow. Yeah. And and there are some parents who are strictly don't want to try it until they're maybe in their teens, right? Because your, your brain, your body's still developing. So that can be dangerous. As well, so I think that is something for the the parent and the child to discuss with their psychiatrist, with their doctor, and figure out what's best for their their child. 
Yeah. That's that's the safe route. Yes. <laughs> yes. But if you were the psychiatrist. <laughs> I steered away from that for a reason. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, I um I, I always wonder that because like there is it's confusing with children, right? Because like kids are kids, right? Like you're you were just born. Like everything about the world is an adventure. It's brand new. There's literally nothing that you've experienced before that is not exciting, right? Yeah. So as a child, there's tons of energy, right? Like there's super amounts of energy. They're supposed to be crazy. They're supposed to be out of control, right? Like the same way that you look at a puppy and is like bouncing <laughs> all over the place and it's cute. Still. Like that's a child, right? Mm-hmm. So at what point are we making the right decision where we're like, okay, cool. This child is a little bit different mentally versus the other children, right? Like, and that's mm-hmm. something that environment like completely based on your environment could be wrong or right like yes you know if you're in an impoverished environment where everyone in the second grade is reading at a first grade kindergarten level when you come in you're reading at a first grade kindergarten level that's the norm there so like you might actually be mentally unstable and no one's gonna notice right or if you go the opposite direction you're somewhere where like everyone is super high up in, in the levels like you're first grade and they're reading at fourth grade levels and you're reading at a first grade level like you're gonna get looked at as there's something wrong with you, and there might not be. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just that's just how you are because every child is different. Exactly, every, every child, child is different. different. Um, so I often think about like I don't have any ch- children. I, I don't have any children yet. However, I think about it often because like that's the world that we live in now. You know, like there are anti-vaxxers, like people who are against vaccinations. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I know you're, people. You're fixing it up I know like people. you was like, yo, exactly. those guys. <laughs> I, I just, I feel like I have so many different clients that I can relate on so many different things yeah. that, that I can say, wow, I've heard that and yeah. I know where they're coming from. Can you explain a little bit about like where they're coming from? Cause I don't fully get it. And I also have <laughs> never like stood long enough in a conversation with an anti-vaxxer to so <laughs> well, partially my fault that I don't get it. When you but, have to be in a session with those Yeah, but you have to do it. Like you're not, it's right. not optional. I can walk away. <laughs> Um, one thing that I've noticed is they don't want to be controlled, right? They don't want Ooh. the government to be telling them and dictating what they give their child or not, right? They also say that they do a lot of research and that supposedly it can affect their child's learning or it can affect their child's just development. So those are like the two biggest things that, that they push towards in that. Yeah, those are valid concerns. Like I would be terrified if like there was anything that would risk my child not being able to learn properly. Um, now the control one, I don't, that's a mental thing. Yes. They, 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 got, they got to go <laughs> to therapy. They got to go to therapy. Because there's some trauma there that we need to discuss about control. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's funny that there's like so many people in the world, and like to certain, everybody has it to a certain extent. Like I feel the same way about control, right? Like, like I don't want to be told what to do unless I understand why I'm doing it. Like if you explain why I'm gonna do this totally down like even if i don't want to do it like all right yeah <laughs> it makes sense makes sense to you makes sense to me i guess we're doing it like <laughs> but it's when they're just like do this which is why i always struggled with having a real job right because like mm-hmm. a lot of times people get put in positions of authority and they were treated the way that they treat you right so like the person in authority before them didn't explain anything so they feel like yo this is how you do this job i'm not explaining anything cool like i'm not gonna be a good fit here <laughs> exactly yes yes and that that's actually one of the reasons why i opened up my own private practice oh um, yes <laughs> see that yes we got to a good point um i was working like i said at that clinic and 
in five days, I was seeing 40, 50 clients. Oh, my Lord. They, yes. They How could were you be just, personal with anybody? Exactly. So they were just trying to generate money. The clinic was just generating yeah, money, I'm money, money. That. So I feel I'm not giving my clients what they need, right? I want to give more. I want to be that one-on-one, give them their time. So in my private practice, I can, you know, give the clients the time of day. I can... You know, during the week, I'm thinking, oh, how can I help this client? What can I research to help them during the next session? And and I'm able to give them the best version of myself instead of burned out seeing 50, 60 clients a week. Yeah. Right? That's too much. So I decided if I get my private practice, I'll have the time for each of my clients. That is, that is, I am so glad you did that. Because <laughs> 40 to 50 patients at a time is craziness. It's just in and out. Craziness. There's no way that you could actually be supportive or helpful to anyone. Like, everybody is just getting washed in and out. Exactly. In and out. Swipe the insurance card. Just swipe your check. Like, make your payment and we're good to go. Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% for that. Um, I would love it if you could let the people know a little bit more about your practice um, and your, your private location. Um, and then also how to get in touch with you. Because I do think um, it's critical for people to get in touch with you, whether they want to work with you, whether they need therapy, or whether they just want to learn more about your story. Because we get that a lot with our guests. Like, yeah. we'll reach out and just be like, hey, I want to do what you do for a living. How? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much. Yes. So you can find me on Psychology Today. My name is Katherine Frias Johnson. And my office is located in 1600 Harrison Avenue, Suite 204 in Mamaroneck, New York, 10543. My number is 917-412-4117. You can call me um, anytime to set up an appointment or just to talk or figure out what the next step is. And Any website, social media? Yes, so I just recently opened up an Instagram, uh, just trying to get out there and be supportive for others. Um, supportive underscore counseling. You can find me there. I'll even use it as a hashtag for when I change the name. <laughs> trying to find a better name. <laughs> I like that one taking. though. Supportive counseling. That's right? a good Supportive one. Yeah. Com- great. So yeah, that's you can a good find one. Me there. I like I like counseling. names that I can read without trouble. Like if there's mad stuff to read, I'm not gonna this is not it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I wanted to make it easier yeah. for, for others to find. Definitely, definitely. All right, awesome. Well, again, thank you for coming out and hanging out yeah. with us this early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me here. Of course, it was my pleasure. Um, as always, guys, thank you for tuning in. This has been another amazing episode of Self Discovery. I hope you guys <clears throat> find some valuable information and the things we talked about and go on your own journey to find who you are because I have come to the complete conclusion and belief that the only way you will succeed is if you know who you are and what you want. So make sure you chase those dreams, figure out what you need, um, and be more than willing to reach out to me um, at what up Vega on Instagram. Of course, you can follow and like the page. And thanks for tuning in. Peace.